Hi, I'm Katie, and I've been an educator for over 20 years, from paraprofessional to 10 years as a classroom teacher, to principal to district administrator, I've done it all. Being an educator right now is challenging, to say the least. No matter the role, we can find ourselves overwhelmed and stressed out. I've been there, and I found the secret to a work-life balance that improved my life. Join me in discovering simple secrets that will help you step away from the noise and improve your life. Hi, and welcome back to The Educator's Secret to Living Joyfully. Today, I have a special treat for us. I recently did a podcast with my friend, Kristen ballard Fellaini, and this appeared on her podcast, Start in the Middle. Uh, She's a midlife uh, woman's coach, and we did a really um, great podcast together um, around teaching. She's a former teacher as well. And so I thought today it would be fun to just share with you that podcast. So take a listen and enjoy. I am your host, Christy Ballard Fellini, and I help midlife women create the connections that they want in their relationships to help them to live an amazing life. I actually love doing conversations like this, you know, just kind of off the cuff. So today, ladies, I have a very special guest for you. She is Katie Barrett. She is the Director of Elementary Education in Newport, Oregon. She has her doctorate in education And as I have mentioned before, my purpose for all of these conversations, these coaching conversations this month, is for each one of my clients that I work with, but also Katie's clients as well, understands and gets the idea that there is a coach for everyone. There's a coach for everyone, and there is a coach for every single situation. Um, I am super excited to have Katie on today because given that I come from a teaching background, you know, I have my master's degree in um, educational leadership and educational technology, and I just left the classroom back in May. A huge part of my circle, my friend circle, my coaching circle are all teachers. And so Katie and I will have, we do have a, um, a strong connection there. So I'm super excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you so much. I am super excited to be here. Yeah. Katie, can you tell us um, a little bit more about you and your position? Absolutely. Well, like you, I was in the classroom for most of my career. Um, I started actually as a paraprofessional, um, so an instructional assistant, and then I became a teacher. I was a teacher in the classroom, um, mostly in first grade, love my little people, uh, for about 10 years before I became an administrator. So I've also been an elementary school principal. Um, I've been a teacher on special assignment. Obviously, that was before being a principal. Uh, I was a literacy coach for a district, became a principal. And now for the last, this is my fifth year as a director for elementary education. And during that time, I did go get my doctorate in educational leadership. I did that when I was first uh, still a first grade teacher. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I discovered coaching. It, it speaks to me because... 
um, of everything that I've done coaching-wise in education, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just was a natural progression. Once I found life coaching, it really spoke to me. And so I became um, a life coach school certified life coach uh, and now helping teachers yeah. um, across the uh, states uh, find that work-life balance. And most particularly right now, we're working on time, how to find time when you think there isn't any. Oh, yeah. Biggest thing, right, that we hear from all educators is there's just not enough time. And that idea that somebody else is controlling my time. So, yes, bring that all back and realize that really we have control. We have um, priorities we have to make. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are things that, you know, there are meetings, there are IEPs, there um, are professional development. So, There are things, yes, that are on our schedule, Mm -hmm. uh, but also looking at how do we control uh, the time that we have to get it all done because teachers are the hardest working people. They truly are dedicated. They will do anything for their students. Uh, And what I hate to see is teachers killing themselves in the classroom at the expense of their own families. Uh, And so that's really important to me to support teachers in Kind of finding finding their way to love what they do in the classroom and mm-hmm. love who they are at home. You know, and I'm so glad that you brought this up, you know, and obviously, you know, because like when, when you and I started a conversation, you know, about our coaching practices and we're thinking about, you know, the teachers that are out there, you know, it's so funny how like the one thing that you say that you're trying to help your teachers with and the biggest complaint that I hear from my own, you know, teaching friends um, is that factor of time. You know, we are, um, cause I'm here in South Texas. They've been in the classroom for three months now. Right. And they are just now starting to feel like things are settling down, you know, if there is ever that time, but they are just now starting to Um, allow the overwhelm of the beginning of the year to just kind of smooth out. So I'm interested to hear how are you, how are you helping your teachers like balance that, you know, the priority making and balance their time? Right, right. And, And that's the piece of it is how do we approach our time? Because what I see so often is because there is so much to do in the classroom, the, the school year takes off and we're, we're going 100 miles an hour, that we don't stop and pause to actually plan how we're going to use our time. Mm-hmm. Because we have this urgency, we have this feeling like, I don't have time to plan for my time. And so we find ourselves multitasking and, you know, putting things off and, and pushing things away and then they become due and we have to scurry and spend an entire weekend working um, to get caught back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I teach teachers to do is these four simple steps to really taking that time. And it doesn't have to be a lot of time. I mean, what I take them through is take five minutes at the beginning of the week and say, okay, okay, what are my priorities this week? What do I need to get done? Mm -hmm. You know, where do my 
um, spaces of time within my school day appear. You know, what does my prep time look like? What do my after school meetings look like? Where do I have pieces of time to budget? And then being super deliberate about how you're going to budget that time. Because I will tell you, in my experience, for many years as a teacher, uh, prep time turned into, oh my goodness, thank God I have a minute to breathe. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. And so it ended up not as effective as I found later I could be. You know, I'd, I'd wander around. Of course, you know, go use the facilities when you finally yes. can. Grab that snack. Chat with a teammate who might also be on their prep. And before you know it, it's time to go get the kids. And what I found was, as I moved on, it was like, no, today's prep, here's what I'm going to get done. Tomorrow's prep, here's what I'm going to get done. Um, and what I found was when I really went ahead and looked at those pieces of time and used them more effectively, I found by the end of the school week, well, geez, I actually got it all done. Like yeah. all my copying gets done on one day. All of my reading prep gets done on one day. All of my math prep gets done on one day. Yeah. Um, and, and then I could go home on the weekend and enjoy my family and not feel like I had to take a bunch of things home, which, you know, at the beginning of my career, um, and I was a, a late start teacher. I didn't start in my 20s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was a time where I'm like bringing my kids to <laughs> come help me in the classroom. Yeah. And, you know, and it just, I mean, it was fine. They survived, but I found a better way because, you know, after a couple of years of teaching, they're like, yeah, no, thank you. I don't really want to go help you. Yes. <laughs> it, it was the newness wore off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so glad that you're saying this because, um, I am so guilty of being that teacher, you know, of, um, and, and I think that part of it comes down to when we are at work, you know, we kind of think about it as also being a little bit of our social time, a little mm -hmm. bit of our social life in that, um, like you said, when your prep time does come around, you know, you, you say to yourself, okay, this is a time that, that I can breathe a little bit. But what I noticed for myself in the last two years that I was in the classroom and when I had the coaching background, you know, within me, when I, when I had that coaching background, um, I was very diligent about my time and I was very diligent about scheduling everything out and also um, being a good steward to both myself and my colleagues in that if I did not have the time on my schedule, you know, to hang out and to converse or chit chat, I would politely say to them, you know, I'm sorry, I've really got to get this done. And in some, in so many aspects, I was so happy that I did do that. Because once I finally made the decision to leave my teaching career, I was so happy with where I was at in the classroom. And what I loved about it is that, you know, that I did use my time wisely. Every single day I went home on time. You know, so I was pulling into my own driveway at like 3.50 on the days that I did not have meetings. And because I used my time wisely, 
I rarely brought anything home on the weekends. Right. And if you do, it's because you're choosing to and you're being very aware of the fact that because I think that's where the coaching comes in, Mm -hmm. that difference between I have to Mm -hmm. and I choose to. Right. Because there were days where I'd say, you know what, I'm just going to stay and get a few more things prepped. And then I'm really because I, I, I have three IEPs next week and I have a professional development to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing, looking at my calendar ahead of time and not having things be a surprise, you know, or not waiting until that week to look at the calendar and say what's really going on this week. Uh, and that's where I see again. And that's where the the danger is where we start um, thinking that other people are in charge of our time. Right? Yes. So, I, and I think that's where I see teachers become the unhappiest is when they're like giving that power to other people. It's like, well, I have to go to this meeting. My administrator is making me do this. And, you know, if they would just leave me alone, I could do the things I need to get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I'm gu- I was guilty of that for sure, 100%, right? It, 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 we're human, we have these thoughts. But I think becoming more aware and realizing that, well, wait a minute, here are the choices I get to make. And you know what? I want to be a teacher. I love what I do. And part of being a teacher is going to meetings and, and going to new professional development and learning, you know, learning new things that the district would like us to try that, or that, you know, I want to do and implement in my classroom. So Mm -hmm. just looking at then having that attitude of this is just part of my professional life. It's part of what I love in teaching. Yes, I would love to spend all my time with kids and not do anything else, right? I mean, we we all have our favorite parts of teaching. And yet there's another piece that goes with it. We have to plan. We have to go to meetings. We have to go to professional development. There's the have tos, right? Yeah. They really are choose tos, right? Because I will tell you, not everybody does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are consequences if you choose not to do that. So everything's a choice. I could choose not to go, uh, but there's a consequence, right? I also like my paycheck. (laughs) I also (laughs) like what I'm doing. You know, I like my good reviews, right? Right. So they are choices that, you know, other people do not determine what we do. They can suggest, but ultimately it's, it's us that gets to make the decision whether we, um, go and attend those things or how we yeah. spend our time. Right. Yes. And I, and I love that you're, that you're reminding us that it is a choice, you know, because that is such a huge mindset shift, you know, and, and this goes across the board in any position where we are paid to go and give someone our time and give, you know, uh, and do a specific task for the exchange in money, you know, is that we get the opportunity to choose how we want to do it, what it means to us, the type of work that we want to do for it. And, and I think that, that, that is a big mindset, um, idea that, that a lot of people don't quite understand, you know, is that when you're choosing to be a teacher, you're also choosing all of the other things 
Right. And then, like you said, if you decide that you don't want to go to that PLC meeting, you don't necessarily have to. But just as a reminder, there is a consequence. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And and I think for me, when when that realization hit me as a teacher, you know, it took me like my first five years of teaching. And before I realized that I needed to shift what I was doing and I wasn't happy with how I was feeling about going to work. And and mm-hmm. I I'm the joyful educator. I like what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And so once I realized that, hey, guess what? If I look at this differently and realize these are all my choices and I am choosing to do this, Uh um, it it made my life so much better. I was so much happier because I knew ultimately I was the one in control, right? Mm -hmm. There was nobody, you know, walking behind me saying, you know, if you don't do this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it was another piece of it that we see with a lot of educators because I, I really believe that it takes, takes a special person to be an educator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a high level of perfectionism in our industry, right? There is. There is <laughs> such a high level of perfectionism. And so sometimes um, we end up being so hard on ourselves, and, you know, it's that um, just almost self-loathing that we get to that just makes us so miserable. And so finding ways to turn that around, to give ourselves some grace that nobody is expecting us to be perfect. Right. Uh, And that, you know, it's mostly us that expects us to be perfect. But if we can find joy, if we can find ways um, where we can go to work every day and just love what we're doing. It just mm-hmm. makes it just makes it so much better. And and I worry about our teachers right now because COVID was hard on them. Yes. Um, it, it just these last few years and even coming back has you know not necessarily been a picnic everywhere, right? We still oh, have exactly. lots of kiddos um, that are not a you know we have attendance issues and and you know are challenging behaviors and such. So there's a lot that educators take on, mm-hmm. uh, and so anything that I can do to to help them um, just alleviate some of that stress and overwhelm in themselves. Um, yeah. I just think is it just it, it makes my heart happy when I can see them get the joy back. They got into this profession for a reason. Can we get that joy back? Yes, yes. And you know the other thing too that that just came to mind while you were talking was of you know that of having joy, just having the joy. And I personally believe that, you know, if you're showing up every day, you know, with that joy in mind, you know, it's going to, it's going to spill over into everything. And when you talked about the perfectionism, you know, um, in my particular position where, you know, I have different clients that are teachers still, um, what i'm what i'm really thinking about is that teacher you know who has that perfectionism with them that they want everything in the classroom to just, to be just so they want it to happen the way that they believe it's supposed to happen mm-hmm. and you know and so they have this idea in mind 
And then that one snapshot that is their evaluation, you know, and, and maybe it didn't quite go the way that they wanted to, you know, and they're just so concerned over, you know, that evaluation where the principal or the administrator, you know, didn't see everything just perfect. And then they just beat themselves up over it. Absolutely. And, you know, that to me also, being an administrator now, I mean, it was such an eye opener uh, to Mm -hmm. become an administrator from the classroom. You think you know what your administrator does. But you don't yeah. really know till you become an administrator. I remember calling my principal the the first time I be the, my first year being principal and kind of that first in service week and everything, and just calling him and saying, "I'm so sorry, I had no idea." Um, oh, but, wow. but you know, I think the thing about speaking to evaluations is is so important because from the administrative le- lens, you know, we can't see everything, mm-hmm. and. The, you know, many, many administrators have been classroom teachers. They've experienced their own evaluation. They know darn well we haven't seen everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so when we give an evaluation, whether, you know, that was a proficient evaluation, a basic evaluation, or there are times where there is just unsatisfactory, that is not directed at the teacher as a person. And I think that's what I see the most is as educators, we are so... Um, a part of our um, persona is teacher, right? The who yeah. we are, our identity is teacher. And so when somebody comes in and says, oh, you know, I, I wonder about this. Here's what I noticed. And yeah. I think you, you know, you, you might consider whatever it is. Um, it can like just deep down to the core affect us. So if yeah. we could zoom out a little and say, just like we give to our students, this is just feedback, right? And mm-hmm. we don't give feedback to our students as a gotcha. We don't give uh, feedback to our students um, to make them feel bad about themselves. We do it so we can help them learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we want teachers to feel the same way um, when they're receiving feedback. And so just... As an educator, when you realize that, oh, I could take this just as feedback, knowing it was a snapshot in time, it doesn't define me or my entire teaching career, uh, it it feels very different when you approach it that way. Yes. And And I just think it would be so helpful for teachers to hear that, for teachers to know that, you know, I mean, because again, like you said, and I have been in, you know, in situations, I am guilty myself, along with my colleagues, where it's like, oh my gosh, my evaluation is coming up and I want it to be just right. And then, you know, you get through it. And, you know, on the other end, sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, this student did this or uh, this happened this way and it didn't go just so. And then we feel horrible about it. We make it mean something about us. Absolutely. And and that's where we need to shift that narrative. Yes. It is not about us as people. It is about our craft and our practice. And we work with little humans or larger humans. (laughs) And, you know, things will happen. And there are so many times where 
teachers almost take it worse than anything an administrator could say, right? Because yeah. they, they have, like you said earlier, they have their own idea of what that should look like um, when they've planned out their lesson plan, right? And it doesn't always go that way. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And the, okay. Yes. And, and, and again, I love the reminder of, you know, we are humans and yes. we're dealing with other humans and just the fact that, you know, that you are there and your heart is in it and you are, you know, doing this service for these young people definitely for sure is going to shine through in that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we could get this out to as many teachers as possible, you know, and even administrators so that administrators could even, you know, sit down with their teachers, either beforehand while they're doing their, their pre-conversations, their post-conversations, you know, and just kind of reiterate this. It would be so amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Now you talked a little bit about how, um, how things have, have kind of shifted, you know, since COVID and coming back, how is your coaching able to help your teachers that you work with during this time where we're, you know, facing these difficult situations? Absolutely. So I, I think that the educators that I'm working with now are very clear on how COVID has impacted their their craft, whether that is yeah. the students that they're receiving um, or even their own um, capacity of resiliency. I think yes. that's what I saw a lot with the teachers I coach throughout COVID is they gave and they gave and they were resilient and they were frontline and they were doing the thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that depletes us. Uh, so for me, uh, I really encourage our educators to, to look at self-care. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's not just like the bubble baths and the spa days. That's not really what right. I'm talking about. I'm talking about things like actually giving yourself space, you know, come home every day, go into a room for five minutes and just be and breathe and give yourself some space to say, I did a really good job today. I worked hard and I did a yeah. good job. Um, or, you know, things like planning your time, right? Because that that is real self-care as well. When you can say, this is what I need to get done this week, what I choose to get done this week, here's how I'm going to get it done. Um, just having that as your anchor and sticking to it. I think that's there that that is the follow-up piece is that you actually have to follow through with what you plan. Right. Um, that's a form of self-care. As every time I stick to my schedule, I am giving space to future Katie to have mm -hmm. room to do things she chooses to do, whether that is to spend Sunday on the couch with a blanket watching Netflix yeah. um, or, you know, that's going to the movies with friends or, you know, when I'm, my kids are grown, but when my kids were home having time um, to spend with my kids, that that's the self care piece. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, really recognizing our own capacity for giving that there are times where we have to give back to ourselves uh, you know, I always give the analogy of on the airplane, put your own oxygen mask on before you uh -huh. put somebody else's on. That is so true for teachers. 
teachers have to give themselves. And I know that, you know, there have been some less than helpful ways um, (laughs) that people have tried to encourage teachers uh, and, and, and teachers are, they're busy people. They're busy, busy people. But I also think we need to shift on what self-care looks like. You know, what do I need to, to um, feel my best? And sometimes that's just sleeping. (laughs) Yes. And I think that that's the biggest question when it comes to self-care. What is it that I need? And allowing yourself to have it, you know, just tuning into, like you said, when I come home during the, you know, at the end of the day as a teacher, you know, if I feel like, you know, there's just too much, there's been too much noise, the conversations, if I need a quiet space, that I give myself that grace. And these are things that we may not have done before. We may not have realized that we needed them before. And so I just want to encourage all of our teachers, you know, to ask yourself, what is it that I need? And truly allow yourself to give it to you. Put yourself first. I mean, we we put our students first. We put our families first, and and women especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have society has um, trained us, if you will, uh, to put others first. Yes. Uh, and if we don't love ourselves and put ourselves first, we cannot be um, to give as much to others as we would like. And I think you're right about that. Prior to COVID, but you know, it, it's that resiliency, we had more resiliency, we had the store of resiliency built up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we used that up during COVID. So <laughs> we have to re we have to recharge and, you know, simple things, I, you know, I say it's simple, it might not, you know, people might look at it and go, Oh, well, you think that's simple, it's not so simple. But yeah, my job every day is I make sure I get eight hours of sleep because I know if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I can't be my best me the next day. Right. Uh, you know, making sure that I'm drinking lots of water, that I'm getting some movement in, um, all of those things for my physical body to feel good um, mm-hmm. and function at its highest level. But like you said, too, just coming home and, you know, sitting for five minutes five minutes is not a big ask for anybody to wait, right? When I walk in that front door, regardless of whether the kids are home, um, partner is home, things, you know, there are things going on, take five minutes and just breathe and, you know, just come up with three things to be grateful for about the day you had. It, It just makes such a difference in our, in our bodies and in our minds. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You can do that. And like you said, you know, we had that resiliency built up that we may not have um, felt like we needed it to tap into that, Um, you know, but again, as we all went through COVID, you know, and then being educators on top of that, you know, being responsible for all of our students, responsible for what we needed to get done as educators, we may not have noticed before COVID that we needed to tap into that. But especially now, I mean, even though we, you know, are coming out of COVID, coming out of the situations that we dealt with for that full two years, 
you know, just as human beings, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, um, of fear, a lot of the unknown. And then being a teacher on top of that compounded it. So especially if you need to tap into that self-care. And the other thing that I liked about what you said is that, you know, there are, there have been so many different suggestions of what self-care could look like, but you just need to answer that questions for yourself. What do I need? What do I want? What would feel good right now? Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, like you said, a bubble bath may not get it for you. (laughs) Right. Or it may, and that's fine too, yeah. right? Yeah. But but I just think that a lot of times we tend to think that self-care has to be this, you know, hour-long pedicure or I have yes. to go do something. It doesn't. Get five, a minutes, <laughs> five minutes in my chair where there's, you know, no kids, no spouse, no noise uh, for me is rejuvenating, right? Just oh, yes. as much as that hour-long pedicure could be. Right. And yes. I don't have to leave my house to do it or spend a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. And I love that, you know, just just being able just personally for me, you know, my self-care is just allowing my myself some quiet time either to read a book or just to, you know, enjoy my space. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. So Katie, um, you are coaching outside of um, education as well, correct? Absolutely, yes. I mean, I, I market myself to teachers and educators because that's what I am and that's what I know best. Um, but I absolutely am happy to coach anybody who feels um, that they can um, benefit uh, from coaching, which I really feel everybody on earth can benefit from coaching. Yes. Um, but those that, that, you know, really are interested in, you know, what, what can I do to improve my life? I absolutely am open to working with anyone. I love that. I love that part of my life. Amazing. Now, um, where can our listeners find you? Absolutely. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Uh, It is the Joyful Educator LLC. So the Joyful Educator LLC. My website is thejoyfuleducatorllc.com. Just come and visit me, drop a line, say hi. I would love to speak with all of you. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and the conversation that I had with Christy. If you want to know more about coaching around midlife issues, feel free to find her at christyfalanycoaching.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-F-A-L-A-N-Y, coaching.com. And if you want to work more around being a joyful educator and learning how to shift your mindset a little around what we do uh, in this industry, feel free to reach out to me at thejoyfuleducatorllc.com. Again, that's thejoyfuleducatorllc.com. And we will see you again next week. Take care and live joyfully.